This is part one of three. A compilation about me from high school hoops to my family introducing the baby CB. Okay, maybe not a baby, but y'all get it. I mean, <laughs> talking about the high school version of myself, my mindset, uh, my skill set, and how my family played a really big part in grooming me and molding me from their sacrifices, their efforts to help me become the best basketball player I could be. And I also talk about kind of my mindset, uh, the greatness of LA Fitness, where I really got my my game from and learned so much and um, how I approach the game as well. So here's part one. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you're going to learn a bit more about your guy. All right. Here we go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Advisory Booth Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Carlin Brown on Point Advising. And in this intro, I'm talking all about me. And I don't want to sound cocky or conceited when I say that, say about me, rather. <laughs> but I'm talking from the standpoint that on my Instagram account for Point Advising, I've never put up an about me video. I've never put up any audio um, explaining my journey, my path, my career, why the way I believe and think some of the things that I do, uh, my approach, my perspective. So I wanted to give you guys some more insight so you can get a better understanding of who I am, who you're dealing with outside of what I share with you on my stories or just watching basketball highlights. Um, I always joke with my guests on my IG, IG ISO conversations that uh, up until this point, none of them have blue checks and I don't have one either. So I always give my guests that opportunity to verify themselves because we live in this age in this era of, okay, what have you done? You know, how, how or why should I trust you? And rightfully so, because there are a lot of frauds out there, even ones with blue checks, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> hopefully in, in listening to this, whether you're first time listening to me and my content or you're a long time supporter and follower of Point Advising, um, I thank you and I hope this makes it more relatable as a person, not just as a, figure who talks about overseas and Julie basketball and professional aspects of that and other things regarding life. So without further ado, let's get into it. <clears throat> so it all started October 4th, um, 1989, where I was born to Sonia Rose and Carlton Brown. And uh, I'm a younger brother to Kasani Brown, uh, older brother to Jalen Rose and Justice Brown. And I have a bunch of stepbrothers, a stepsister. Um, my guy, my, my guy, Romel, been holding me down for a while. Uh, I'm husband to Cassie Brown, uh, seven years, uh, and known her since I was 18. And shout out to her because she really was with me, shooting in the gym, had her rebounding and running stairs. And it was fun. <laughs> Get you one of those, right? And then, uh, most importantly, I'm father to Kamar Brown, uh, my four-year-old son, who is, man, my everything, my, my light, my joy. So give you a sense of me and my personal family upbringing and stuff like that. And uh, I must say, you know, I wouldn't be here without the confidence my mom instilled in me um, from a young age and, and her undying, unwavering support. She was willing to drive near and far. I mean, and California's a big state, if you don't know. So she remember one time she picked me up all the way from Santa Barbara. We lived in Cerritos, and that's not too far from Orange County. That's a deep push. 
and uh, she she saved my career one summer as a sophomore, pulling me out of a game uh, <laughs> at halftime. One of my coaches, and I can go on and on and on with stories about her. So shout out to you, Ma, for uh, showing that love and support. Because as I realized as I got older, a lot of people don't have that same type of pe- type of person in their corner, especially from a parental standpoint. So it definitely didn't go unnoticed. And I got to thank my dad for the fundamental aspect of teaching me the game, teaching me the right way and footwork and ball handling and all that stuff and showing me, taking me to games and stuff like that, you know, uh, when I was younger and it stuck with me. So shout out to him. And then I definitely could have been able to do this without my uncle, Jeff Brown and my grandma, Velma Brown, man. They, they were two of my biggest supporters as well. Same, same type of basis as my mom's, you know, they were driving and hauling me around and coming to games and, um, it wasn't easy the sacrifices they put in and uh, the time spent the money spent all to see me get to where i am today and uh, a lot of ups and downs through it all but man i I would say outside of my mom my uncle's confidence and support for me man he believed in me sometimes more than i believed in myself so thank you to jeff brown and to my grandma same thing you know she was always there to support uh especially from a, a standpoint of making sure I had all the necess- necessities like basketball, shoes, you know, compression shorts, all that stuff. So it kind of really helped give me another edge over the next person because I was always equipped um, with all the, the, the not, not necessarily the newest stuff and always the latest stuff. Yes, that was true. But it was more so, uh, you know, I earned it because of my grades and stuff like that. And she knew I was very committed to it. So she was like, look, you that committed to it. I'll support you. So. And that definitely paid off. So thanks to everybody on that end and all my friends and supporters. You know, Rashad, my guy, um, definitely kept real with me when I needed to hear it the most and really changed my career as a pro. So that's uh, a lot of the makeup, man, for sure. So my story in terms of basketball, it starts out pretty similar to everybody else's. It's pretty cliche. Uh, I had a Fisher-Price court at the age of two, Little Tykes, and I was shooting on that. And every chance... You know, I could get to watch the Lakers with my dad. I was watching it when he lived with us and um, playing at the park. I played the uh, YMCA, the Junior Lakers, uh, the Crenshaw one over there behind the ball when it was mall. I don't know what they call it now, but that's what it was called back then with the Matthew Johnson theaters and all of that over there. My grandma used to stay over there and uh, my folks that know. <laughs> and I played NJB in Cerritos and Artesia for a little bit. Um, I played... The Bellflower, uh, Little League when I was young and everything I can get into, my mom could find me. You know, I was there and the love grew from early on. And, uh, I really got good and I really got better, uh, in high school. That's where really kind of everything changed. Um, having the access to LA Fitness really changed my life. Knowing that I could have a gym any time of the day and I can go work on my game. Uh, instead of always having to shoot in my own driveway, you know, roll that court on your shoulder down that driveway and play in those hot, sunny days in, 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 the, in the empire, excuse me, can't get it out. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Riverside is hot. Fontana is hot. You know, Inland Empire is hot, hot, and you can't play outside. So having that gym access really changed how I was able to work. And if you lived in California, you're from California, you know, it's very rare to find a gym where you can just get up shots because somebody's always playing. Somebody's always playing. At least back then, they were always playing pickup. Uh, 
So for me, I really learned the lesson of hard work and, and value from my uncle. Like the earlier you get up, the better off you're going to be. Uh, I was doing those 4 a.m. type of works. I, I was doing those 6 a.m. type of workouts, mainly because if I got to the gym early, I could actually work on stuff, getting up shots, working on ISO moves, working on uh, finishes. Because if I waited after school, there was no way I could do that because the gym was already playing. People are already running pickup all day from 3 to 11. So that really taught me the, the, the importance of getting up early and staying locked in. So I went to Martin Luther King. Um, and again, LA Fitness, shout out Alexandra LA Fitness. Went to Martin Luther King where I was um, <clears throat> played as a freshman on the freshman team and went to varsity after my, after my freshman year and played as a, uh, a sophomore on varsity. And uh, my career was really good there, man. County player of the year twice, uh, all league, MVP, all those type of accolades, local and in the, in the region. All the way stretching down to San Diego, I was probably one of the best players. And I was one of the best players in the state. But the rankings and stuff like that, I didn't have because I didn't play AAU until my sophomore year, late sophomore year. Had I played consistently AAU from probably sixth grade up through like everybody else does, then there probably wouldn't be a point advisor. I'd probably be a 12-year vet, but that's here nor there. I played one summer of AAU with basketball mathematics in L.A., but they already had their core group of guys that they wanted to rock with, and I wasn't going to be able to infiltrate that system and that that culture. So I got pulled out of that. I didn't want to do it no more. And when I got back to AAU, I played with Branch West for a little bit. Uh, didn't play for Bob Gottlieb himself. Didn't really like my game, but I played for a couple of of, of his other multicolored teams. If you ever played Branch West, I uh, played against Branch West. It's it's crazy, but. Uh, didn't really like that experience because, like I said, Bob was on some different type of stuff. He was looking for a different type of player, uh, and I wasn't in. So I moved over. My high school coach put me with Dino's Trigonus of Pangos, where everybody, you know, goes and plays his events. And Dino really let me rock out, really let me play my game, really showcase what I could do. And uh, he was never coaching. He was always on the phone <laughs> during our game trying to set up his next event. And uh, we never had enough players for every tournament, but it was a lot of fun, man. This dude would literally be in the stands. Uh, looking for players because we only use, usually carry about six players giving people jerseys in the stands like hey can you play you want to come down here and be a sub like bro what kind of <laughs> what kind of organiza- organization is this bro what is you on we went to Kingwood in Houston which was a big tournament back then and I swear I kid you not we had four players on the court because one guy fouled out and we we played with four four players for like a quarter again I remember against Boo Williams team I killed but it was just like we got blitzed because we didn't have enough damn bodies Anyway, um, yeah, I, I was a man in my high school up until the year after I left. And the year after I left, I used to be known as the King of Kings. That was the name of my, the name of my, my school, Martin Luther King. Um, this dude with these big-ass hands, these braids, a knack for rebounding, a knack for uh, playing defense and just finding a way to win, came and pretty much took over everything. Um, one, two CIF titles, had deep state runs, <clears throat> and just changed to Inland Empire basketball forever. And now he's a two-time NBA champion, two-times finals MVP. I think he's a two- or three-time defensive player of the year. And that guy is none other than the Hall of Famer, Kawhi Leonard. So uh, to get bumped down by him in my high school is not too bad. You know, I'll take that loss. But at the time, if you knew, um, nobody was talking about Kawhi Leonard. It was it was about me um, <laughs> and, and my game and what I was able to do. I was known at my school as the guy that went through the legs in the game. 
And there's proof of that on my Instagram, my personal Instagram, and on YouTube, if you don't believe me. Um, and a guy that was always getting buckets. I had a lot of triple doubles my senior year and all that. But I just, I never won the big one. I never won a CIF championship. I never won a state championship, which is very hard to do. And then, of course, Kawhi comes in next year and you're like, well, I'm going to show you that it's very easy. <laughs> but I like to think that I laid the foundation for that. Um, so moving forward from my high school time, man, or I guess before moving forward from my high school time, I, I was the kind of kid at high school that I was never going to parties. I was never getting drunk. I wasn't, I didn't smoke. I was really focused on my craft, man. A lot of my peers, a lot of my teammates <clears throat> thought I was a weirdo, honestly. They thought all I did was live in a gym, spend time with my girl, and then back at the gym. And uh, it's true. That's what I was. I was kind of different in that aspect because I wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. I wasn't doing all the popular stuff. I wasn't going to all the popular hangouts. I was just so focused on getting better. And anybody that wanted to work with me, I held them to the same standard that I held myself. So um, if you wanted to come work with me, it was at 6 a.m. If you missed it, I was going to say, all right, well, that's your bad. I got better today. You didn't. So try to catch up the next time. And if I told you I was going to come pick you up and you wasn't outside, I was leaving. I wasn't going to waste my time. And I, that really helped me. I was a guy at the sand dunes. I was a guy that was lifting. I was a guy that was doing plyos. I was a guy that was spending basically my whole day in the summer at the gym, one way or the other. You go work out, go get some Taco Bell, which didn't make any sense, or go to 8 a.m., p.m., get some hot dogs, <laughs> then go back to the gym. That's the type of time I was on. And I was just trying to outwork everybody and make sure I was skilled. And like I said, I wasn't highly ranked. Although I will say, I had played so well in a tournament, a Reebok tournament at the time, where the best two players would go to ABCD camp, and I was able to do that. But even then, I still wasn't really respected like that when I got to ABCD. And part of that was me because I didn't dominate like I should have, but it was a learning experience nonetheless. All right, fast forward to college. Um, I took a visit to uni University of Utah. I took a visit to Marquette. I took a visit to Nebraska. I took a unofficial to Stanford. And... um Utah was the only place that was going to let me play as a freshman. I think UNLV would have let me, and I probably would have went there had I been able to take my visit. But the day of my visit, somebody, there was only one scholarship left, and the guy that was uh, there the weekend before decided he didn't want to let me take it, so he took it. And, man, I, I really always think about what it, what it could have been like had I played for Lon Kruger, who really loved my game and uh, who had NBA ties and all that stuff. But, again, that's here nor there. I chose my path for a reason. So, I'm at Utah, first workout of the season, and uh, in the weight room, and almost faint because that altitude is no joke, man. If you ever played it in Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Wyoming, you know what I'm talking about. That shit will have you dying of and gasping for air, and uh, it's just different. And I played for um, Jim Boylan, who was recently the Chicago Bulls head coach, and uh, man, one of the best coaches I've ever played for in my life, and I, I know... A lot of people might find that strange since I transferred, but looking back on it, in hindsight, I mean, his schemes defensively, the best defensive coach I've ever played for. Um, offensively, he had some great stuff, too, uh, in terms of the sets and getting guys misdirection, multiple options out of fast break transition, multiple options out of the half-court sets. It was some next-level real NBA-type stuff, which is why he was probably able to sustain at that level for so long, but... Uh, can't thank him enough for that and give me opportunity to really show me about spacing the pick and roll game uh, really my pick and roll game really elevated playing under him and uh, seeing the different defensive schemes as an off offensive player with they icing you blue in it down in it all the same word for the same meaning hedging you know trapping I was I was equipped to handle it all and 
that was definitely because I was able to learn from from his principles and stuff like that. And my time there was it was it was good for the most part. Um, first two years were obviously learning. Freshman year, I was able to start, um, but I wasn't able to close the games. Uh, he didn't trust me enough at that time with my experience and my ability. But being able to start, being able to fill out the game and use my athleticism to attack and make plays and make reasoned decisions, um, it was a good freshman year. We weren't good in terms of our record. We had a running record, but didn't really you know, get to an NIT or a tournament type of situation. Now, my sophomore year, things really, really started taking off. Um, we had a great team. We won our league, a share of it with New Mexico and BYU for a regular season, and uh, we won our tournament outright. But in that year, we played some great teams, some great competition, a lot of a lot of NBA guys where I felt like I was on par with them, if not even better. I had numerous top <laughs> top ten plays on four center men, uh, the number one, two, three, all the way down to ten. I think that year of my career because I was just so explosive, so dynamic. Dunking on everybody, catching bodies left and right. My one foot bounce was crazy. And, um, I was also doing a great job of distributing the ball. My turnover ratio was really good. Uh, one of the best in the country. And I was a, a very important piece of that team in terms of, uh, our tournament and championship experience. Unfortunately, we met a, I met a better team in Arizona at the time. I guess that day, uh, more athletic than we thought or we could prepare for. And, uh, they came and blitzed us early and, we made a run back, but couldn't really keep up with them towards the end. And then my junior year, I thought after the sophomore year I had, you know, this is my team. This is my time to showcase my game and what else I could do besides distributing and attacking the rim and putting together a full body of work and a full package, um, leading the team and hopefully getting back to the championship. But I got hurt um, the second game of the season, my foot. Something happened in my foot with my tendon, and I was never really myself. But I also got hurt the summer before my junior year. I got <laughs> I got elbowed by my guy Jason Washburn in pickup. And I went to go block a shot, and he went to go block the same shot. And you know how when you you go to jump off two, you swing your leg, you swing your arms back uh, for momentum to rock you and push you up forward. And I didn't see Washburn, and he was doing the same type of movement to get himself up, and he swung his arm back, and that elbow hit me right in my right in my face which broke nine bones in my face, and uh, I had to uh, get rushed to the hospital, man. I had a migraine that I'll never forget, and uh, my face was like Kanye. When he first hit me, like, that joint swelled up. I had on a white tank top, I remember, and there was so much blood coming out of my nose, that joint, that whole thing was pink. I tossed that joint, and uh, my boy C. Hines, he rushed me, shot to C. Hines, and Sykes, they rushed me to uh, the ER, and uh they told Cassie, my wife now, they was like, Hey man, C B got hit, he's leaking, you know, there's blood everywhere, he's losing he said he's losing power, he's losing you know, he's losing uh his mental capacity, he's about to faint or whatever. So she rushed to the hospital from her job and I'll never forget this. A lady at the desk <laughs> they my boys are literally carrying me in on their shoulders. And uh Lay the desk like, sir, uh, I know you're hurt, but can you tell me, you know, where your pain is at? Can you fill out this form? And that's my wife snapped. Like, no, lady, you can't fill out no form. What are you talking about? You see him, he's bleeding. Get him in there now and take care of it. She said it in a different language. I'm not going to lie, but we're not going, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> and uh, that, that's kind of the point where I knew that she was a real one. Um, and which really helped me appreciate her and, uh, want to really hold on to her. But anyway. <clears throat> Back to my junior year. 
season's going downhill very fast. Um, me and my coach are head, are, are, are butting heads. Um, I feel like he's not letting me really play my game. I feel like he's trying to run the offense through somebody else. And I'm doing things that he's not enjoying or liking. I'm not being very coachable. Um, there's a lot of ego on both of our sides. And uh, it didn't work out. Let's just say that. And I can definitely see how I was hard to coach that year. I can definitely see some of the things that I was doing was not beneficial for the team. And uh, I wasn't being a great teammate at times. I had kind of checked out along the way because I wasn't ready, I guess, for that responsibility, being a leader and trying to repeat as champions in the Mountain West Conference. And I thought I had it all figured out, which I didn't. And uh, I would definitely say I'm part of the blame for that, that season not going the way it was meant to be. Um, and I've apologized to my teammates since then for not being able to understand it. But it's hard. You know, you're 18, 19, and you're thinking one thing. And you're preparing for one thing, and it happens another way. And it throws you off guard. I have the capacity to uh, to rebound from that, let's just say. So at the end of it, I never forget. You know, I was so unhappy. I didn't like going to practice that junior year. I didn't like going to the games. I was just really just going through the motions just to get it over with, just to shut my coaches up. And they say, look, I'm doing it your way. We're still not winning. So whatever. Y'all can have it. You know, starting my freshman and sophomore year. Now he got me coming off the bench talking about he wants firepower for, for the six man role and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, bro, miss me with that, fam. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much out of here. So I drive to my coach's house on a Sunday night, probably two weeks after the season's over. And I said, look, man, I can't do this no more. I'm not happy. I want to leave. And it didn't really go as smooth as I hoped. There was definitely some still animosity, some still uh, some hurt feelings on both sides because he felt like he was giving me his all. I felt like I was giving him my all, but there was a disconnect, and that just wasn't the truth on either side. So I decided to go uh, take my take my talents elsewhere, and um, I had visited Kent State, which was a great visit. But then my mentor uh, told me that Colorado was interested, and one of the coaches at Colorado played against me in the Mountain West. And he just signed there from TCU, and they was like, hey, we're going to get Carlin Brown. So I chose Colorado because it was close to Utah, it was close to L.A. Um, I knew my family could come out and see me play. At the time, Colorado was in the Big 12, and Utah was in the Mountain West. So that's why I was able to transfer. People always ask me, how were you able to transfer in the same league? They weren't in the same league at that time. And at that time, I didn't know that they were going to go to Pac-12 either. So it kind of just worked out uh, in my favor, honestly. And uh, I will say, <clears throat> Arizona was interested in signing me. After I left Utah, but they didn't because they didn't want to give me uh, two years of scholarship money to, for only one year of play, which came back to hurt, hurt them in the end, and I'll tell you why. But my time in Colorado was dope, man. It was what I needed. It was a breath of fresh air, a new city, a new staff, a new group of dudes. Um, but more so, it was, it was really more about the freedom. Like I, at, at Utah, I lived in the dorms my whole time from freshman year to junior year. And in Colorado, I had my own apartment. You know, there was more stuff on campus. The weather was better. The food was better. Um, it was just better for me and what I needed at that time. I needed a fresh start. I needed to be around people I didn't know so I could kind of build myself back up. But I will say I was able to take a lot of the things I learned from Utah and apply it to Colorado and give some of the gems that I was able to give from my, my previous coach and that staff to my, my current players in Colorado because I had come from winning a championship my sophomore year playing in a tournament to come into Colorado where it was historically bad since Chauncey left. They didn't have a winning record. Um, 
they weren't competing in the Big 12. They had the talent, but they didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have the culture that was necessary to elevate the program to where uh, I think everybody wanted it to be. So um, with the new coaching staff and myself, you know, my coach had won at a high level, being assistant at Oregon. He did his thing at Northern Colorado, Tennessee, all these places where he's been to the tournament. He knows what that feels like. And I know what it felt like, too. And I'm, saying, I'm not taking all the credit for it. Don't, don't, don't get it misconstrued. But I played a part in it. Let's just say I played a part of building the foundation of, of where Colorado basketball is today. At least I like to think. And I maybe some of my peers would agree. But that retro year was a learning experience. I mean, I got to see what the coaches wanted. I got to see uh, see what kind of offense we were going to do. And I really got to become myself all over again that I was in high school, um, being the number one option, at least on the scout team, right, where you get to go crazy and really get to get your confidence, where you feel like nobody can stop you. And it was good to go against guys like Alec Burks and Corey Higgins, pros, uh, NBA guys. Obviously, Corey's a yearly guy, yearly champion. And see that, you know, I can compete with these guys very easily. Some days they would be better than me. Some days I'd be better than them. But it was always respect, and I was always going to go at them. And I think I was able to push them um, instead of just being able to destroy your scout team every day, which they did have days like that where they would just destroy us. But they knew for sure they had to come and have an answer for me, and a lot of times they didn't. So it was it was dope, that back and forth, that redshirt year. And I also had to fix my foot from my staff at Utah telling me that it's nothing wrong when I know my body better than you do. Um even doctors telling me that, you know, there's nothing wrong. We've seen the MRIs. I wore a boot for two months. I did all that. And I'm telling them, like, yo, something is not right with my foot. So finally, I got a doctor to agree to the surgery. And he didn't think I had anything wrong either, but he was willing to do it anyway. <clears throat> and he showed love, Dr. Leland. Much love to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh got that surgery. And sure enough, he was like, man, you were right. Your tendon was, like, tied, like, to another one. It was stuck. And he was like, your your flexor hallux longus, basically the tendon that runs from your toe all the way to the uh, heel of your foot. It wasn't flexing how it's supposed to properly flex. So that was uh, the first scenario where I kind of bet on myself in a sense, knowing my body and telling people that, you know, I'm feeling something. And I was right. And the second one is that senior year, that senior year, having no injury. Um, I was really happy about going to Colorado because they were Nike. I wasn't, I would wear Adidas at Utah and I hated it. I hated it a lot. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> being able to play in some Rodgers and Kobe's and Jordan's, like, it was just another added level to my confidence. You know, you feel good about yourself. You look good. You play good. And the season, senior season started out pretty solid. I mean, we had a great, we had a great non-conference run. I think we went like 10 and three and, uh, played some good teams. I was probably averaging like 17. That non-conference and then um, went into Pac-12 play where, again, started out really hot. Went 3-0 against the Washington schools in Utah. Got a little bit of revenge back. We, we blitzed. I mean, we beat the hell out of Utah by 40. Uh, sorry, Washburn and Chris Hines, if you listen to this. <laughs> y'all still my guys, but y'all was trash. And uh, got Pac-12 player of the week that first week. Uh, averaged like 23 or something in those games. And uh, was getting off to a great start. Everything that I envisioned. And then after that, um, man, I played some of the worst basketball of my life those next 10 games. Um, could not hit a shot, could not get a rhythm going. I was losing confidence. Um, my minutes were getting fluctuated because my coaches were losing confidence in me. And I was doing all the right things. I was getting up shots after practice, getting up shots before practice, going to 24-hour fitness and getting up shots. 
And, and one, one more quick thing, speaking of 24-hour fitness. I got 24-hour fitness when I was at Utah because when I was at Utah, we didn't have unlimited gym access where you could just slide your car, get in and get out. Once the gym closed, we went home, the gym was closed. We didn't have a practice facility, none of that. So I would go to 24 at night when I was at Utah to get up shots and to do my drill work, do my ball handling, do my pool workouts, do extra lifts if I needed to. And that's where I'm at with mentor uh, that we'll talk about later. Um, and also another thing about 24-hour fitness is, is when I got to Colorado, when the team went and traveled to go play games um, and I wasn't able to travel my redshirt year, I would go to 24-hour fitness and play pickup with the guys there. And that's how I kept sharp. That's how I kept my conditioning up. And I would dominate those guys. I wouldn't take it lightly. Like, that would be my game for that week or for that night. Um, just so I can stay sharp, man. Just so I can keep getting up reps and keep working on things that I wanted to work on. Extending my range and trying stuff. So, I would say for you guys that take pickup lightly, um, don't. Uh, there's always something you can get out of pickup. If you put your mind and attention before you go into it. Whether you want to run up and down consistently. And get your conditioning up. Whether you want to work on your left hand. Whether you want to work on your pull up. You want to work on your post game. There's too many times where I hear guys talk about, well, I don't want to do that because I can't get better. Or, I'm not I'm not playing against pros, so I want to do it. I was playing against guys that work at Pet Boys. I was playing against guys that work at Foot Locker. I was playing against guys that were people at their firm. I was playing against university professors. It's not about what they do. It's about what you can do. Don't ever forget that when you're working out, when you're playing. You, you have control over the environment because the environment starts in your mind, in your mindset, your mentality. But anyway, so... um I lost my train of thought, but yeah, I was doing all the right things, going to 24, getting extra shots when I needed to, and it just wasn't clicking. For whatever reason, I was officially in a slump, and I'd never been this been in a slump before, so I didn't really know how to get out of it. And uh, luckily, finally, I got out of it towards the last two games of our conference play when we, we went to go play Oregon and Oregon State. And we lost both of those games, but in my mind, I was okay, I, I feel like myself again, like I'm getting my juices back. So we head into the Pac-12 tournament, I think we finished sixth. Uh, in the Pac-12 standing that year. And we just were a bad road team for whatever reason. Won all of our games at home for the most part, except for against Stanford. And uh, when the bracket came out, we knew we had a shot. We knew on our side, as long as we didn't run into UCLA or Stanford, shout out to my guy Josh Owens at Stanford, uh, that we were going to be fine. We just didn't have the size. We weren't a big team. We didn't have, like, the, the typical 6'10 centers that could block shots and dunk and rebound and catch oops. We were a small team, and we played together. We played great defense, and we shared the ball and stuff like that. And one night, I could lead this team in scoring. Another, another night, it could be somebody. You know what? I'm not even going to drop no names. I'm going to let y'all do yourself a favor. Write it down in your calendar. Have Siri notated for you. Part two about me. Carlos Cafe. That means Carlin Brown in Spanish. Or Carlin Brown. Anyway, <laughs> y'all come back and check it out. I can't give it to you all in one setting. It's not right. Uh, gotta leave the anticipation, the suspense for the audience, right? Like a movie or a Netflix show or something like that. But go ahead and binge, binge listen to this. Anyway, I'm rambling. I'll see y'all in a minute.